Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where every year he always seems to be loading. But this year, he's apparently upgraded his internet connection, so if you are still waiting for the D to load, well, wait no further, because it's already de-loaded. And the Lakers, they're just loaded. D'Angelo! He's a Lakers fan, Mikey Coco Five. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander, who is joining us via a drive-by recording as he makes his way down the 110 freeway on a very busy Thursday afternoon, late afternoon, early evening. And Tommy, speaking of freeways, through the first three preseason games of this new season, how are you liking the freeway this revamped Lakers squad with the same core seems to be playing, regardless of who's been in and out of the lineup. Um, it's been fantastic, Jonathan. Thank you for asking. Um, I, I can I see you I, were stunned by my intro and opening that you did. I, I was like, I was so surprised um, that you came up with something like this, but I enjoyed it. But I, you know, it's been great. I think I texted you during the last game and said. When was the last time we've had even a winning record just at some point during the preseason? I like don't remember what it, like I feel like we've had a lot of one in five preseasons in recent memory. Um, so it's nice to rack up a couple of wins, even though they don't really matter in its preseason. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, it's just been super fun to watch, regardless of the wins or losses, even though we have we have two wins, right? Two and one. This team has just been fun to watch, and it feels like we're watching the 2008-2009 Lakers, the team after 07-08 when we pulled off the Pau Gasol trade. Uh, if you remember, that team got a taste of what the finals looked like, ultimately losing to the Boston Celtics, but they were able to retain much of the same core that following season and were even hungrier after that Celtics loss. And because we brought back the same core pieces, that whole group was ready to go full throttle towards getting right back up to the top, but this time completing the ultimate mission of winning a championship in 09-010, or sorry, 08-09. And um, yeah, this is, that's sort of the vibes I'm getting with this current group of, uh, with this current Lakers squad. And they also kind of remind me of the 2020-21 season where we signed guys, we signed some new guys like Wesley Matthews, Marcus Gasol, Schroeder, Trez, but we still also retain much of the same core, like Caruso was there. We re-signed Kuz to an extension, re-signed KCP, brought back Markeith. We lost Dwight Howard and Rondo, which were pretty important pieces. But for the most part, it's like we brought the same core and also retooled around the edges. And if you remember, ultimately that team ended up feeling cursed because of the injury bug. And we you know, dropped all the way to number seven. 
We were up 2-1 against the Suns and then eventually relinquished that lead because AD had a groin injury. You guys know the story, but if it hadn't been for that groin injury to AD, it looked like we were going to potentially make our way back to the finals, right? And early part of that season, we were actually the number one seed in the West for the first few months before injuries derailed us. So even the 2020... Even the 2020-21 season, I'm getting those same sorts of vibes, and that was a really good team that was stacked and had a lot of depth. Tommy, I think this team is better than that team, it's younger than that team, and it has better fitting pieces than that team. Yes. So, macro thoughts first of all. We'll get into the individual players in a second, but from like a macro perspective, what has stood out to you the most about this team through the first three preseason games? I think the two big things, and they're both sort of related, but I won't say depth because we've talked about that a hundred times, right? But perimeter shooting and then just like overall offensive flow and cohesion at this Mm -hmm. stage in the preseason have been the most impressive to me. Again, we're coming off two consecutive preseasons where the offense just looked like complete trash and we were told like, Oh, it takes time for all the pieces to gel. Like, no, this is what, and part of this is like, we have continuity, right? For the first time in three years, like you mentioned, but you know, it, these, the pieces work because they fit and they make sense. And we have, like you said, a good balanced roster and we just have not had guys who could hit perimeter shots at this level, you know, this consistently in the entire LeBron AD era, I, the mm-hmm. last time we had a team that had this many good three point shooters must have been like the Mike D'Antoni year or something, because it's been a <laughs> while. Um, and like, yeah, it, and it's not just like, oh, these guys are good shooters. Right. But like we've talked about it, like Torian Prince can do things with the ball, as we've seen, for example. Right. He's yep. not just a 40 percent career like corner three point shooter. Christian Wood can do things with the ball. Rui Hachimura like can do things with the ball like Austin Reeves can put it on the floor. So like, it's like all these guys can shoot. But part of what part of what makes the floor so high with this group is that it's not like we are going to be a live by the three, die by the three team necessarily. Like we have the ability to hit the shots. The guys are hitting the shots so far. You have the confidence because of the amount of shooters that we have that even on a cold night, eventually we'll hit a point where, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll, we'll be able to catch up on threes. But think about all the games last year where we were playing in like 30, 40 point, three point shooting deficits. And like you end up losing the game by five points or something. Yeah. But you were outshot. The other team made, you know, 12 more threes than you did. Like, I don't think we're going to have as many of those situations this year. So the interesting thing is going to be like, can they make sure? And I know Ham, you know, it's going to be exciting to everybody. I'm sure that we can actually make threes again. And by the way, a big part of this is going to be like, I think LeBron is going to have a positive regression and he's barely played. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's going to help too. But, you know, is everyone going to get so excited or are people going to be like, okay, that's good that we can do it. But also we need to be maintain our balance and maintain like the paint dominance that really carried us last year. Um, because that's still like when you have a team with an AD, like you still want to, and frankly, LeBron, you still want to make sure you're dominating inside. Um, but yeah, the three point shooting is like for real um, on this roster. And, and so that, and, and just the overall flow of the offense and how, all the new guys have seemed to, not the young guys, but the new vets have seemed to like fit in pretty seamlessly um, has been has been uh, what stood out most to me. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And as you were talking about three-point shooting, I knocked wood on every wooden piece in my room right now. I crossed my fingers, oh, thank you. crossed thank you for doing my that. toes, <laughs> for sure. Um, but I agree with you. Like The onus is no longer on one pure shooter to own the night with regards to three-point shooting because everybody can shoot. Yeah. It's not like on our, like, for example, last year, right? Literally no one could shoot. So it's like Matt Ryan comes on and everybody knows that he's the guy that like we're trying to drop threes for. So he's just got three guys chasing him around the floor at all times. He can't get a clean look and, you know, we still can't figure it out. It's like every player, like we run out so many lineups now where like there are four guys who can hit a perimeter shot. That's like, it's been a while since we've had that. For sure. And it's worse enough that Matt Ryan was like only the second white guy on the team and also an Uber driver. So it's like Uber driver, (laughs) white guy, three point shooter, go at him. Um, But no, to be serious, like with regards to like a LeBron James team, 
the shooting potential of this Lakers team is making me salivate, and I'm sure it's making LeBron James salivate because I'm getting shades of Cleveland Cavaliers, I don't know what year, but Kyrie Irving, J.R. Smith, Kevin Love, Channing Frye, Kyle Korver type stuff surrounding LeBron James, yeah. you know? And I feel like we have even more versatile shooters than that crop, more in the vein of like a Kyrie Irving, J.R. Smith type of shooters. Um, for me, the things that stand out to me and I'll circle back to just the overall, just how important continuity is. The, the thing that stood out to me so far, and I can break it down pretty simply in the fact that if you look at all the guys who returned from last year, they have walked the walk when it comes to backing up all of the off-season fluff hype surrounding them with regards to what we heard everybody was working on. So. Oh, yeah. We heard Vando was working on his three-point shot. We kind of roll our eyes like, okay, we'll see it when we believe it. We heard Rui Hachimura has been working on his body, his handles, his footwork, his aggression. He's been working out with LeBron James. Okay, that's cool. Let's see what happens. D'Angelo Russell has been working on absorbing contact and, you know, making his shoulders stronger, his upper core stronger, and he's being more locked in. It's like, okay, cool. The biggest one, 80s jump shot is looking stellar. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I've heard like, that before. I know. So, like... What's crazy, though, is you take all of those newspaper bottom third tidbits of what all of the returnees have done this offseason, and we have literally seen all of those things come to fruition in one form or another. And some have exceeded expectations, even with all of the lofty expectations, right? Like Rui, I thought, mm -hmm. I, I think so far, and you mentioned, well, we'll get into the specific players, but Rui is like, the hype wasn't even enough. <laughs> He's like a completely different player now. No, I agree with you. And th yeah, literally everything they've said has come to fruition in the first three preseason games. And again, how rare is it to actually see that happen? And I want to correlate this to the fact that it's no surprise that it's all the returnees who have looked this comfortable and very much know their place and role on this team, regardless of how many shifting lineups there have already been in just the first three preseason games, you know? And it's like that because... All these guys, whether it's D'Angelo, Rui, Reeves, LeBron, AD, Vando, they're just literally picking right back up from where they left off. There's none of this figuring out how they can contribute, whether they'll get traded, where they'll get their touches. Like, no, they can all literally just focus on improving what they did last season. And the new guys are the ones who will just fit around them. So that, that's been one of my biggest takeaways. The returnees just picking up right back from where they left off last season and hitting the ground running, which is what they pretty much said all throughout media day. In relation to that, with regards to the new guys, because the core key guys is so set and solid, I feel like the new guys have had the opportunity to get their sea legs underneath them. And we've seen the gradual progression of them becoming more and more comfortable because preseason game one against the Golden State Warriors, a lot of them look pretty shaky. I think maybe Jackson Hayes was the only one who was like, oh, he's pretty good, you know? Everybody else, their shot was wonky. They were, you know, turning the ball over. They were getting to five fouls in three minutes. <laughs> getting five fouls in three minutes. They were trying to figure out different sets, where to be, where guys like their passes. But as the games have gone on, a lot of the new guys have shown the flashes of why we brought them in in the first place. And they've been able to show those flashes because of the solid foundation set by the core guys around them. D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, AD, Rui, mainly Rui and D'Angelo, right? Because they've been the two mainstay Lakers who have played every game. But overall, it's been such a pleasure to watch. And again, just a testament to, oh, this is what continuity and having a set core from the get-go does. Not only does it help just the main core pieces, but it helps the new guys you're bringing in too, because not everybody is trying to figure this shit out, you know? So any additional points to that? Yeah, continuity. Um, it's the thing that is probably going to give us the biggest advantage this season. There are obviously are teams that on paper have more, at least more top level talent, right? I mean, there's so many super teams this year. Obviously, Boston added you know, two guys who've been all-stars and, and good all-around players in Porzingis and uh, Drew and like, you know, the Bucks added Dame, the Suns added um, Beal. And and so there's going to be a lot of a lot of elite on paper competition. But I think the thing that like, yeah, we have LeBron who's 100 years old and we have AD and those are our two stars. And, and maybe you think that having three all current all-stars who are like younger might be better. Like, 
the thing that's going to help us this season is this continuity that we keep coming back to and and not just you know bringing the same guys back but like bringing back the guys mentally who are going to carry over what they what they learned last year but physically Mm. have improved in like so many ways um yeah and, and so yeah i think all the comps you made to like the the you know 0809 team that fell sh- or the 0708 team that fell short and then won the following year and then our our championship year that that led to more additions and and they came in like pretty hungry and had, got off to a really hot start until injuries hit us like those are those are really good comps for what i think this team could be and and as long as guys stay healthy i mean honestly i like our chances as much as anyone else i did not think i would feel that confident after three preseason games and it's silly because it's preseason but if you know what you're kind of looking you know you got to kind of cut out the preseason nonsense from it and and you know but when you look at what you thought each player was going to bring in the best case scenario so far i think they've all kind of shown that and i think they've backed it up too with just how rejuvenated everybody looks on the bench you're getting the same sorts of hype and vibes from the players themselves like they're all celebrating in these wacky ways i don't know if you saw the jackson hayes multiple timeouts where he's like calling timeout for the sacramento kings after d'angelo russell hits his second straight three and i'm like all right jackson calm down there's a freaking preseason game i don't think the sacramento kings care but jackson hayes like you better call timeout son call timeout (laughs) i'm just like okay but these are the types of vibes you know that sort of lend to a group being more in sync than you had previously thought right they've got good chemistry yeah well, off the court too, besides on the court, right? Yeah. So it kind of all like seamlessly gels together and D'Angelo Russell has said as much. I mean, him and Reeves are BFFs, dude. They're at like top golf, playing golf together and sharing viral videos, taking viral videos of each other. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of uh, gobbledygook at the end of the day, but it makes you feel good as a fan to be following a team that you actually want to follow, you know, so. Exactly. And, and guys have just you sort of sense guys understanding what this season could be. Um, and I think D'Angelo is mm. a good example, right? And his maturity. And I'm not saying it's just part of this was iterative. But if you think back, like when we were drafting Alonzo Ball, the, that was the summer that we just before the draft made the D'Angelo Russell trade, right? Um, the big narrative going into the draft was D'Angelo Russell it wants to be the guy and he wants to be the point guard and he doesn't want the Lakers to take Alonzo Ball. Um, you know, I, and then obviously we ended up making the trade because, and part of the m- reported, you know, motivation for the trade was we didn't think that D'Angelo was going to play nice with Lonzo. And now you got D'Angelo playing next to a guy who did all of the things that D'Angelo was supposed to do in the playoffs last year, but rather than, you know, kind of letting his ego get the better of him is embracing it. And has showed up this season. And again, we're going to, I get, we keep teasing it. We're going to talk about the individual guys. This guy is so locked in. And I think it's like a microcosm of the team as a whole. Like everyone is super, super locked in and, and just, you know, putting for now, putting aside like individual stats and, and thinking about overall team. And what a difference that has been from last year when we had another Russell in this locker room Right. And I'm not trying to say anything bad about Russ Westbrook because from everything we've heard, he's a great guy in the locker room. But everybody knew the circumstances surrounding Russell Westbrook still being on the team, right? And that was a huge dark cloud over everybody, regardless of whether or not Russell Westbrook was trying to play nice, you know? And we heard even even though Russell Westbrook tried to do his best with what he was given and the team did as well through the start of that season— we inevitably ended up hearing about the blood-sucking vampire that was Russell Westbrook, whether or not that was subconscious or whatnot. But such a huge difference just in terms of the vibe and chemistry of the team with this Russell versus that Russell. And just, it all it all starts with how we've begun this season. Everybody, for the most part, all the key core pieces locked up to multi-year contracts, not wondering and turning their head from left to right where they stand on this team for the rest of the season, you know? So it's just, yeah, it's just been overall refreshing. So we started talking about D'Angelo Russell. So let's take it to break first, and then let's pick it up with a little bit more of some deloading talk right after the break. So we will catch you guys after the turn. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, quick call to action for yours truly, the Lakers Legacy Podcast. If you enjoy consuming our content, please, please, please take a moment to rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Also, please take a moment to give us a five-star thumb tap on the Spotify app. Just search for the Lakers Legacy Podcast on the Spotify app and click that five-star dial at the top of our page. It's that easy to do. We would greatly appreciate it. It will do a lot in determining the future of this show moving forward, especially as we head into the 2023-24 season. At this point, it's the only thing that drives this show. With that said, thank you for consuming our content, and please enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so we are back. Let us talk about the Ice King, Elsa, Let It Go, Ice in His Veins, Coco 5, Mr. D'Angelo Russell. (laughs) Uh, So D'Angelo Russell through three preseason games in only 17 minutes a game is averaging 17 points, 63% from the field, 61% from three, hitting 2.7 a game, 6.3 assists, 1.3 steals, 0.7 blocks, and only 1.3 turnovers. That's in 17.6 minutes a game, okay? But more than that, he has just had a control and command of the court that is... I don't know, transcendent? Is that a word? He, uh, it's clear that D'Angelo Russell has heard all of the noise from the Western Conference versus the Denver Nuggets and how the season ended for him. And he has responded in such a kind of inspiring way that regardless of whether or not AD or LeBron have been in or out of the lineup, I mean, D'Angelo Russell has kind of taken on this leadership role, this captain role of the team, you know? I don't know if he's the, if people consider him that for the rest of the season. It doesn't matter. That's who he's been in the first three preseason games, and he has looked so locked in. Like, the vision, the pace, his control over his dribbles, his control over the personnel on this team, it's like he did some overtime studying this summer of all of his new teammates, old and new, where their spots are, where they like to get their shots, and his mastery over the court so far from a point guard's perspective has just been pretty amazing. And, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, but he, he said that he worked on his shoulders and his frame so that he could be able to more easily bump guys off their position. And then for himself, make sure that he's not being tossed around by other physical dudes like Bruce Brown. And you're already starting to see that pay dividends for him. In the Kings game last night, he had four drives in the paint in just the first half where he was aggressively looking to finish. He finished over Herter, over De'Aaron Fox, took DeMontis Sabonis all the way into the paint for a nice layup. I mean, how many times, Tommy, has D'Angelo Russell had a great game where, or how many times has D'Angelo Russell had a great game that wasn't first initiated by him being hot from three? Not many. Last night, his great game was initiated by his stellar playmaking and his aggressive driving into the paint. He he didn't hit his threes until like the third quarter, you know, when he hit back-to-back threes and then said goodnight from there. And... Man, it's just, what a luxury it is to have D'Angelo Russell. And I say luxury because I feel like Lakers fans have taken this dude way for granted. And even to this day, Tommy, people are still saying, well, what's he going to do in the Western Conference Finals? Can he do this in the playoffs? And I'm just like, oh my God, what is wrong with people? (laughs) Anyway, for me, what's been most impressive is just how he seamlessly fits with all the old guys, with all the new guys. Even the tremendous combo guard play with him and Gabe Vincent, it's like they've been playing together for like a full season already, you know? I mean, credit some of that to Gabe Vincent and just his skill set. But even the way D'Angelo Russell has already been, seems perfectly acclimated to Jackson Hayes, which we all thought and assumed that he would, but it's nice seeing like the pick and roll play between Hayes and D'Angelo Russell just, you know, come to fruition so quickly already. And then Torian Prince, he's just carrying over his chemistry with Prince from their Minnesota Timberwolves days as evidenced by those beautiful skip passes that he's throwing to Prince on the baseline for threes. And then even defensively, 
his hands have been everywhere, like smacking balls loose. He's doing that ground-bound Marcus Saul thing where he doesn't jump very high, if at all, but he's still stripping and blocking guys who are driving into the lane at just the right time. And then intangibly, as we've intimated just prior to the break, He's been like the Lakers' biggest cheerleader, you know? Like, this is this is at the end of the day a guy you want on your team, not a guy that's easily replaceable or someone you just trade away willy-nilly. And I'll just say it right now, but I'd rather have D'Angelo Russell than Drew Holiday. The end. Your thoughts on deloading. Oh, wow. That's a bold statement. It is. Um, Yeah, look, I you went over all the stats. I think the stats are super, super, super impressive in a vacuum. But even if he wasn't having this kind of output, he is just so visibly locked in to everything that's going on on the court right now. I've never seen D'Lo like this, right? And we obviously followed him early in his career, and then he went away. And when he came back last season, we were like, oh, he looks like a lot better than he was, you know, than he did when, when he left us the first time. But he was still like in the same vein of player, right, that he was. And you mentioned it like he's Mm -hmm. one of these guys who he can get his numbers. He can hit shots. He shot over 40 percent on high volume from three last year. Um, But if he didn't hit his first shots, he was one the first few shots. He was just one of these guys that would just sort of fade away. And then you would end up with like, you know, so one night he drops 20 points. The next night he goes one for six and he only plays 20 minutes because he didn't hit his shots early and then kind of checked himself out of the game. Um, but right now he is like, he's like, yeah, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. That's fine. This is my team. Like, and, and I mean that in like the best way possible. Yeah. Like he is acting out there. Like it's his show to run. And and that's what you kind of want to see from him. And, and then it's just like the decisiveness is really working to his favor because like you said, his passes have been lasers. His like, his shooting has been amazing. His driving, I've, na- I've in his entire career, I swear to God, this dude <laughs> has never driven four times into the paint for layups that he made, like in the first half of a game and maybe his entire career, right? So yeah. he's just so locked in. I've noticed on defense, like he's like moving his positioning his body and, and seems to be like a lot more spatially aware of, of himself on that yeah. end. So overall, I just I have nothing but positive things to say. There's no way we were if he keeps us up, there's no way we're trading this guy. This was always to me like a one year deal really kind of hedged for both sides. Like if D'Angelo ended up not having a great year to start or if the fit didn't really work, we could always move him on like kind of a pseudo expiring deal um, and try to get something else back at the deadline. If it did work, that means he played really well and helped us. And then he opts out to get paid. And I think we're kind of in that like ladder scenario now. So, and that's where we want to be, by the way, because this guy is going to be a key piece. I I came into the season thinking clearly it's obviously it's LeBron. Obviously it's AD. When you're thinking about these third guy, the third guy, right? Not that it really matters. And, and, you know, you can argue that you could rotate a third guy every night. Like that's kind of was the motto a couple of years or that during the championship year, but I think everybody, including myself, thought that third guy was clearly Austin Reeves, and maybe it still will be, but Mm -hmm. D'Angelo is, the way he's playing right now is just, is is like a lead, you know, and and I mentioned this to you yesterday, again, you don't want to overreact as as I'm about to make a very bold proclamation, Um, you don't want to like overreact to three preseason games, but if this guy, if we're, we're, I think we're going to be like near the top of the West, um, by midseason, and this guy conti- is playing at this level still uh, consistently for the first few months of the season, he'll be an all-star this year again, mm. and he's already been an all-star, and that is like the level that he's playing at right now. He just, it does not look like the same, like, weirdly kind of passive d where, you know, and he said this before, you know, he had the comments before, and everybody was like, oh, he's trying to, like, play nice, but when he was like, oh, some nights I'm a point guard, some nights I'm a shooting guard, I'm just trying to figure it out. All of that wishy-washy, like, I'm confused stuff is just gone. It's now fully, like, you know, you can sense that he un- fully understands what he's supposed to do, and he's just executing. Or he's not waiting for someone to tell him what to do. He's just going out there and executing, and he's doing it at a super, super high level. Um, You know, I mentioned earlier he's playing nice with austin whereas in the past and and on other teams you see guys like in these sorts of situations like two guys similar age like kind of you know one of them trying to make 
the younger one trying to, you know, come up a little bit, like somebody's people's egos get in the way. Like we're seeing none of that. And and frankly, Delo has had a respectable career so far. So you would think maybe somebody like that would have an ego. But no, he's like he's just locked in in every facet. And, you know, another concern, maybe you think like because he his market wasn't what he thought maybe hoped in the summer, like maybe that would have a negative effect on him. No, if anything, it's made him more motivated to show like mm-hmm. last year, Western Conference finals is not who he is. And and he had an up and down playoffs overall. That's not who he is. And and this guy is just, yeah, like I said, it, it, he's locked in and and he's going, he's a former number two overall pick. Okay, as we know. So he is, if he is playing, again, at this level come April, May, like we're winning a championship this year. Like, it's like <laughs> that's how good he has been, um, in my opinion. Yeah. And again, it's just been three preseason games, but I think we've seen a culmination of D'Angelo Russell's progression. And you couldn't have asked for a better response to how he melted in the Western Conference Finals against the Denver Nuggets and how he approached this offseason and how it's already started to pay dividends. And it's so funny that, you know, if you ask D'Angelo Russell, who's the third guy on the Lakers? He'd probably say, Austin Reeves, that dude is bad. If you ask Austin Reeves, who's the third guy? Austin Reeves would say, people forget D'Angelo Russell is a killer. It's D'Angelo Russell, you know? So it's like, I'm totally fine with both those guys saying the other dude is the third guy on this team because they'll probably toggle back and forth throughout the season. And yeah, D'Angelo Russell's vision, his playmaking, we always knew he was creative. You know, the Ohio State viral curve the bullet passes that he likes to throw. He did it to Gabe Vincent last night, right? The over the shoulder, over, I forgot who the defender was, like De'Aaron Fox's head, who didn't even see the pass straight to like an easy Gabe Vincent layup. But so D'Angelo Russell had eight assists last night. I think seven of those assists were of the highlight sports center variety. You know, usually in an eight assist game, maybe three of them are highlight variety. Last night, seven of D'Angelo Russell's passes could have been like in the top 10 of Sports Center highlights. I mean, the you know? first play of the game, like he just whipped it behind this dude's head, like to Gabe Vincent cutting for the layup, right? So, yeah, I think he would have beheaded Kevin Herter's head if Kevin Herter had been a little bit taller, whoever the defender was at that time, you know? Yeah. And then he also had this very underrated whip pass to Torian Prince as Torian Prince was cutting to the basket, where he just kind of like a one handed flip pass over his shoulder straight to Torian Prince. And so, yeah, I, I love everything that D'Angelo Russell's been doing. I hope he can keep it up. Um, let's quickly transition to the other guy who has been the talk of the town this offseason, Rui Hachimura, Black Samurai on Fire, as I like to call him. I just, this is the first time I'm calling him that. But um, so Rui Hachimura, kind of in the same vein as D'Angelo Russell, but I think it's probably a little bit more pronounced because we haven't really seen Rui be this demonstrative or expressive and it really feels like you're seeing a young man coming into himself in more ways than one and just the way if you just look at his movements the dude has a completely different mindset it seems like he's coming for fool's heads yeah everything about his movements are so intentional decisive like we already knew he was a great mid-range shooter but somehow he got even better in that department this summer because of the added footwork, the added dribble drive component, where it just seems like he has a pep in his step whenever he dribbles around and rises for these jump shots. Again, everything seems more intentional. His handles seem way less loose. He looks oh, yeah. a lot like Carmelo Anthony out there, pivoting and jab stepping, you know, or Kobe Bryant. And yeah, it seems like he didn't miss a beat with his three-point shot and his confidence taking that three-point shot. He pretty much just carried everything he experienced in that department over from the playoffs into this preseason. Um, As he said himself, the one thing that he's been trying to be more attentive about is looking to get easy buckets and he wants to be more aggressive, putting the ball on the floor. That's exactly what we've seen this preseason where he's just, you know, even if he's at the three point line, he's putting the ball on the floor, steamrolling his way into the paint, finishing over poor Harrison Barnes who can't do anything about it. He is just an unstoppable ball of energy right now. And the combo of skill, size, strength, and now aggressive mentality is making Rui such a beast to handle. And I feel sorry for any defenders who are trying to contain him because he will not be contained. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is it's almost like, and again, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. It's just three preseason games, but 
What we're seeing from Rui Hachimura right now is almost like the fully realized version of what I feel like the Lakers had hoped Julius Randle would have been for them. And here's Rui Hachimura. And when we got Christian Wood, my biggest worry about bringing Christian Wood on was the fact that he would mess up Rui's flow and vibe. Tommy, I'm no longer worried about that. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. Rui Hachimura is going to get his minutes no matter where he is in the rotation. He's too good. Yeah. Your thoughts on Rui Hachimura? Yeah, Rui. So people kind of do forget this a little bit, but Rui is really like a baseball player from Japan. That's like his background, <laughs> right? So he's like not really, you know, I, and the biggest knock on him, we talked about this actually when we um, made the trade last year, midseason for him. The biggest knock on him coming out of Gonzaga in his all of his scouting reports was his aggression. And he needs to figure out like how to be more aggressive. And Magic Johnson made similar comments. He's got to, you know, we think he can be more aggressive. Whatever happened to him, and maybe it's just the confidence of working with Handy and working with LeBron and getting his body into like amazing shape. But and and honestly, probably a, a big part of it was the success uh, in the postseason last year. But he like every like uh, everything you say, I, I pretty much agree with it. He's he's like super super aggressive all of a sudden. And you mentioned the jab steps and the quick mo- moves and the and the you know upgraded dribbling. Like it just feels like you know he kind of he realized what you know. It's like he he realized how to unlock this extra level that he had. And now that it's unlocked, it's just like. He's like a completely different player. I mean, certainly a different player than who we we traded for last year. And I mean that in the best way possible. And and I think of the pre excuse me, of the offseason moves we made, we all wanted to keep Rui. I was fine with the contract he got. However, it did make me raise an eyebrow that we gave the dude like 3 years, 51 million or whatever, solely based pretty much solely based on a pretty good postseason run because during the season he was like up and down a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. So I seeing him in this preseason, I understand what they were doing. <laughs> like they, they <laughs> knew what they were getting now. I mean, I, I agree with you. I feel bad for whoever has to guard this guy. I mean, look, we're not saying this guy is like an all-star or whatever, but he's really, really good. And he is now physically at a, at a point where he knows how he can use his six, eight frame to just like body people. I mean, he's, he's bodied a few guys already and yeah. and they were clearly not expecting it. And we've seen some guys go down after taking hits from Rui during his like drives to the paint. So it, it it's just going to be a big, big problem. And if he is coming off the bench, like how many teams are running six, eight guys off the bench who can keep up with Rui's speed? Like you play him at the three he's going to just completely destroy bench threes, right? A lot of bench threes are what we were rolling out for the last few years, like six, six guys who you're trying to like get to play up. Um, well, the you saw the Mikhail Bridges clip, right? Where the Nets commentators are like, look, these are Nets commentators, by the way. I posted this on Twitter, but Mikhail Bridges is trying to guard Rui Hachimura and Rui Hachimura is just facing up, jab stepping. And the Nets commentators are like, Look at how much bigger and stronger Rui Hachimura is than Mikhail Bridges. And Mikhail Bridges is a great defender. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and he's just bodying these guys, right? And 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 then it's like you try to play him against your bench fours. He's going to blow right past those guys and get to the rim or get to his spot yeah. in the mid-range and drain a jumper. So, you know, he's just operating at such an incredibly high level. And to have someone at that size with that skill set is just... It's like we went into this season like thinking like, oh, I think, you know, you can come up with some ideas of what a closing lineup would look like in many of ours or in a few of ours. I think we had Rui in there. I just like this team is so stacked. I don't know if he is going to end up being in that in that rotation, but he should be. He's like certainly making a strong case because that's how good he has been. So, like I said, we have LeBron AD, but between Reeves, D'Lo, and Rui, we just have like, we have so many guys who could go out there any given night. Like if LeBron sits for a night, Rui can come out and score 20 points like easily mm-hmm. any given night again. And then like you kind of put him right in the same bucket as what we were talking about with Dilo. Like he was the type of guy where you bring him in off the bench last year. If his first couple mid-range jumpers don't go down or like his first couple like 
three corner three pointers don't go down, he sort of fades a little bit. And that those days are over, dude. Like, first of all, yeah. this dude is is lasering these shots in like he's Kawhi Leonard. But even when even I feel confident based on his overall aggression that even when those shots aren't falling, he will figure out a way to make an impact through his drives or through his defense or using his like newfound aggression and physicality in some other way to help the team. So yeah. he he's looked amazing. I mean, all the hype over the summer about like, you know, you hear it every year about random guys. I, Rui has actually, like, they've all kind of met it this year. I think we agree. Rui, like, w- even exceeded my wildest expectations. <laughs> like, he took everything from this, like, flash, what I thought could have been a flash on the pan, like, postseason run, and has just shown that he is, like, transformed as a player. I, I was actually talking about this in the, with my, this is the last thing I'll say, but <laughs> talking about this with my wife and, like, who's constantly, like, asking me, you know, why I watch every game, right, which is a fair question. Um, but <laughs> part of the reason part of the reason I watch them all, right, and, and part of the reason why many of us probably watch them all is, is these sorts of little developments that happen that you can only really appreciate if, if you've seen the whole, like, arc. It's like watching a, you know, really good Netflix sh- or show on TV. Like, you know, you can't just tr- turn it on at season six and like expect to get the same effect. Like you can't just turn on Breaking Bad season five and be like, well, I don't understand why everyone likes this. You have to see like the whole progression of how we got there. And that's like the thing that makes the Rui situation so satisfying. Like we were scouting, like we were doing this podcast back then when he was drafted. Like we knew about Rui from the mm-hmm. from the draft time, like. We knew about uh, how he was doing with Washington. We we saw him when we got him with the trade in the trade, and like from that point to see where he's gotten now is just like deeply satisfying. If you've kind of been been along for the whole ride, yeah, absolutely. Rui Hachimura season five, season six has been very satisfying thus far. We hope it completes its arc till the very end. Uh, and also, Rui Hachimura, by the way. Averaging six rebounds this preseason, which is yeah, huge that's because huge. he that's huge. Yeah, he mentioned that he wants to improve his rebounding, and you know, six rebounds in just 22 minutes is on the way there. Um, really quickly, AD, his three point shot and jump shot looks back. He's stepping into these shots with confidence, like he's meaning to take them versus them being a last resort. And we're already starting to see the dividends in that. I don't know if he should be taking six attempts, six three point attempts a game, like Darvin Ham said, but. Simply having the mentality to always keep the defense honest like he has been doing and him taking more intentional threes has been has opened up his game even more. And I feel like it has not taken away from his aggression either. You mentioned during the when you were talking about the team's three point shooting that a concern would be us moving away from the paint. But I actually feel like it hasn't. It's only opened things up even more because especially in that first game versus Golden State, AD was putting the ball on the floor and attacking the rim. If anything, again, his shooting and the added spacing around him from his teammates have opened up the floor and allowed him free reign on these drives. He was making Kavon Looney look like a puny ragdoll out there, you know, just easily attacking the rim from the perimeter. So kudos to AD. Hope it continues the full way through. For the last part of this uh, episode, and we'll try and make this quick, let's talk about the new guys. So... My first question to you is, who has been the most impressive new player to you so far? For me, it's been Jackson Hayes, um, simply because I feel like, I mean, expectations were kind of low on Jackson Hayes to begin with, but he was technically the only quote-unquote traditional center on the team. But what's impressed me the most about Jackson Hayes is he has been a huge proponent of KISS, K-I-S-S. Do you know what KISS is, Tommy? Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. And not that Jackson Hayes is stupid, but man, he has kept it simple. He's done all the little things. He's played drop coverage well, getting his hands in passing lanes, crouching down in a nice low stance, running the floor well, setting screens, not popping out for threes and taking those threes, even though I'm sure he has the green light to do so. Um, Yeah, he's done all the little things and has not played. He's played very much within himself. Uh, that putback dunk he had off a LeBron miss or LeBron pass, depending on how you saw it, uh, versus the Nets, the last game in Vegas to end the first half, that putback dunk was insane. The fast break where Maxwell Lewis threw him a pass to his chest and he caught it and in one fell swoop turned that pass into an alley-oop lob was ridiculous. Um, but more so than that, he's also made a couple of really nice passes and reads out of the short roll 
including a nice whip pass on the baseline to, I believe, Torian Prince for three. As I mentioned previously, his pick-and-roll chemistry with D'Angelo Russell has already been great, and his finishes off of those pick-and-rolls haven't even been of the thunderous lob variety. He's, like, shown off his dexterity and his agile finishing ability with, like, these reverse layups where he's contorting his body and showcasing his touch. Yeah, I mean, Jackson Hayes, he's JaVale McGee if JaVale McGee had Alex Caruso's basketball IQ, at least so far. But yeah, who has been your most impressive new guy so far? And if you want to talk about Jackson Hayes, you can before transitioning into who the who's the most impressive new guy. Well, you set me up exactly for what I was going to do. I, I agree with you on Jackson Hayes. He's been super impressive to me, mainly because I was like, with the especially with the Christian Wood ad, I was like, and we know about Vanda, we know about Rui, we, we have depth right in the front court. I was like, okay, I guess Jackson Hayes is the odd man out and we're going small. Um, Jackson Hayes needs to play. I mean, if he plays like this, Honestly, I, I think he got kind of, I don't know. I don't, I don't, it's, it's early. It's preseason. I, I just am surprised that a team like the Pelicans couldn't have made more use out of this guy because his movement on the court is so fluid. You, you sort of see the flashes of why this guy was taken as a pretty high lottery pick. Um, there's few guys at this size, this strength, um, who can, you know, do kind of thing or move around on the floor the way that he does. He runs out there like he's a forward, like a big wing, mm-hmm. but he's like seven foot and built, you know? So it's, it's pretty impressive to watch. Um, I think the guy who is also to choose someone else. I mean, I think the guy who's maybe been slightly more impressive to me um, has been Torian Prince. And I include the, I included him even though he had like 5,003 minutes in the first game. <laughs> uh, but he has just like, you know, and I give you props because you called this out when we were talking about these new additions. And I had seen his highlights, right? And I had seen a bunch of his clips and you sent me a bunch, obviously. And and he looked good. But, you know, with those clips, it's always hard to tell. It's like, okay, Torian Prince has the best game of his career. Here are the highlights. Like, we that doesn't necessarily show you what you're getting. But I think you identified a a key aspect of his game that is just like really going to unlock his upside this year, which is that he's a career 40 plus percent shooter from three. And he's known for being kind of a defender, right? I I guess like, you know, and, and we talked about this at the time and I still fell victim to it, but like I sort of thought okay maybe he's going to be not as old and plotting as danny green but that's kind of what we're getting like he, you could mm-hmm. drop a play for him to shoot a three he'll hit the three he'll play defense that's about all he's going to do um that's not all he's going to do i've learned um, he, <laughs> he can do a lot with the ball dude i mean yep. like you chase him off the three he's putting it on the ground i mean you know he's not like he's not another point guard out there but he can put it on the ground and like either pass it, you know, kick it back out. He can finish in the, you know, at the rim, he can hit some mid range jumpers, you know, we've seen. Um, I I just think that makes him so much more valuable than I even thought, because frankly, just his three point shooting and defense and size made him valuable. But the fact that he, Mm -hmm. you know, has shown that he can actually contribute in other ways just makes him like that much more valuable. I mean, it's not like, cause you don't have the Danny green problem of like, okay, well, when this guy's having an off night, you kind of don't have to guard him, you know, or you can, you can chase him off the three because once he puts it on the ground, like he's not a threat to do anything inside the three point arc. Um, he's going to yeah. throw up a weird high, like 20 foot arc floater. That's going <laughs> to bank off the rim and knock him close. <laughs> you know, I love Danny green, by the way, but um, you know, he, yeah, Torian Prince has has been a nice, nice surprise, and and I think I mentioned that to you last night. Like he is, he really can play basketball, and and you reminded me he's like a former Lotto pick too. So you yep. know, it's you know, and we're kind of seeing why why that was the case. Torian Craig Tayshon Prince, to be exact, and yeah, I will always remind people this is there's a reason why whether they live up to it or not there's a reason why some of these guys are lotto picks right former lotto picks number 12 lotto pick in the 2016 draft i kept joking around on twitter that in another lifetime torian prince was chris middleton if he had the right development from day one you know or something like that but you can see the flashes with his ability to 
yeah, attack the closeout hard. He's got some sauce to his on-ball dribbles. He can pull up from mid-range. He can finish very adeptly when he gets to the rim. He's not bricking all these layups. And he's very physical with his... He's just very physical on both ends of the floor, whether it's to trying to take a charge or trying to get a block, but also the way that he goes up for these finishes has been really impressive. And so far, his three-point shot has been pure money, you know? Um... Let's really quickly talk about Gabe Vincent. Uh, let's only do this for like the next five minutes because we've kind of run pretty long on this. But Gabe Vincent has rounded into form, especially the last game where he had 18 points and hit like four threes. I love the way he's played with D'Angelo Russell, even though obviously I'm sure a lot of people are getting PTSD from Darvin Ham's small ball lineups of Dennis Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell. But Man, everything that Dennis Schroeder did defensively, Gabe Vincent brings, but with a little bit more size and physicality. And shooting-wise, obviously, you guys know the difference. Like, the, the, the gravity that he possesses as a shooter on the, on the court is amazing. And God, he takes some ballsy-ass shots, dude. Sometimes unnecessarily so with dudes in his grill. Like, obviously, it's fantastic and so dynamic when it's working out. And his shots could definitely be one of those ultimate snowball avalanche momentum shifters within games. Um, But obviously, if it's not working, those are going to get hella annoying in important game situations when they come. But having said that, you accept the trigger happiness of it all because Gabe Vincent really competes defensively. Like, I love how physical he is and how he uses his body to go straight up and absorb contact. And he has a great use of verticality as well when he contests dudes who are driving it into the lane. He does a great job of always staying in front of his man to apply that verticality. And yeah, as I mentioned, the heaters he can go on from three-point land are much in the same vein as when D'Angelo Russell gets hot, when Malik Beasley got hot last season. Um, And yeah, that just, that that pull-up, off the dribble, that off the dribble pull up shooting that he possesses, whether it's from mid range or three point land, is just super important to have on this team. He had that one move at the end of the first half where he like did a crossover into a step back pull up mid range jump shot and drained it cleanly. And I was like, okay, Gabe Vincent, freaking swaggy P right there. Um, but yeah, I like what I've seen from Gabe Vincent. I also really like his interviews and the way he expresses himself off the court. Very well-spoken and thoughtful individual, almost politician-like, but with a clear wink-wink that lets you know that he knows what he's doing. But any thoughts on Gabe Vincent? Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see what the shots look like when the games actually start. I mean, I think part of it so far has been like finding a rhythm, right? And 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 that's not to say he won't take like some of these crazy shots. I think that's part of his game. Um is to take these like you know make or break momentum momentum shifting type of shots when he feels it I guess um, so but but I think part of the preseason you know variance has been uh, just him trying to find his place I, I think the defense is has really impressed me just off the you know from the jump like against the Warriors Steph Curry would make some moves where you're just sort of it's been so many years of Steph Curry making these moves that your mind, you know how it's like you, you're like filling in the blanks in your mind. It's like you kind of like, OK, Steph Curry is going to do this. He's going to get like two steps on his guy. Then he's going to do this. And then it's like you're watching it unfold. And Gabe is just in front of him still. And you're like, oh, how the hell did he do that? You know, it's like I've never seen this before. And, and little things too, like, you know, bigger wings or bigger guards will get into the into the paint and Gabe you're to like the free throw line getting ready to take a floater like a mid-range jumper but Gabe just positions himself in such a way to like not bump them off but affect the shot and and it's surprising Mm -hmm. that someone at that size can affect the shot but we saw it I think I'm thinking of a couple instances in the Sacramento game where like Herter and these other guys were able to you know, pump fake and get into the paint and they were going to thought would take what they thought were going to be like uncontested floaters. And all of a sudden Gabe shows up and just because of his, him like cutting them off and like forcing them to drift to the side, it's now like thrown off their like clean line drive, right. Or shot straight to the basket. So those types of little plays are hard to quantify. Um, and, and so maybe people like won't fully appreciate them, but I, yeah, it, the crazy thing about this team, when you think about it, and Gabe kind of reminds me of it, is like, they can beat you in any way. You want to play all forwards? Okay, great. We can throw out four forwards on the on the court and, like, compete with you. And by the way, we have the ultimate, like, you know, uh, 
the ultimate um the ultimate like final card with ad being there right you want to play small we could play three guards who can all play and then plus you have gabe out there to defend so there's so many things that this team can do and and i think gabe is is a, a good example of of sort of the the varied skill sets yeah and a seamless fit on ball off ball etc um christian wood really quickly Christian Wood has not been some people's cup of tea, understandably so. And I think because of that, he kind of feels like this year's new version of like Dennis Schroeder for Lakers fans, but at the power forward spot in the sense that like the way he plays is again, definitely not people's cup of tea. And he can be very black holy at times, but on the same end of the spectrum, you have seen him flash the skills that make him such an intriguing play for the Lakers at that forward center position. Like, the fluidity with the ball in his hands, his ability to attack closeouts and put the ball on the floor against other plodding forwards and centers, him finishing at the rim with both aggression and ferocity, but also skill, like that's a rare combo to have. He hits a lot of tough shots, again, unnecessarily so, but he can hit these tough shots. And he also helps with the rebounding component of things, helping push the pace off of those rebounds. He's slowly starting to, you know, find a rhythm. And this is all without him not having his jump shot or three-point shot yet, which you know will eventually come around, right? You obviously hope he'll he's a, le- little, a little less black holy and can read the floor better, but coming from a new guy who has the reputation that he has, I it's not surprising to me that he would be a little bit slow in picking that stuff up. But what you've seen from him is you dump it down into the post when he is like posting up. And he can go to work, dude. He's got these nice spin moves, and then he's shouldering dudes. Obviously, you're going to get annoyed when those become offensive fouls. But I just like the aggression and physicality with which he plays, and he always goes up strong in the paint and in the rim. And then at other times, he'll get and ones because he knows how to finish with these skilled layups or putbacks and a little Kyle Kuzma X with his finishing package and being able to find the right angles off the glass, et cetera, et cetera. Your thoughts on Christian Wood, who's been kind of a mixed bag, but you also kind of see why the Lakers brought him in. Yeah, I think every, or certainly, you know, good teams uh, often have these kind of wild card firecracker guys off the bench. I think it's just, we're so used to those guys being like Jordan Clarkson, Lou Williams, like those types of players. Like, I think maybe for us, that guy's just Christian Wood. It's just weird because he's like a center, right? (laughs) So it's like, you normally don't see it like that, but I think that's what he's going to be for us. I agree with you. There are some reads that he seems to miss. It'll be interesting to see if he develops through that this year. I'm not going to bash any of the teams he's been on. Obviously, Dallas is well-coached, and he's been on some other good teams as well, Uh, uh, other teams that were coached well as well. But, um, you know, He's in his contract year. He got way underpaid compared to what he thought he deserved. He has to kind of play nice on the sandbox this year. And so I think like, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that play, not, I won't call it playmaking, but if that like sort of ability to read the floor a little bit better um, develops, Uh, we know what he was going to bring offensively. He's shown what he could bring offensively through just a few games, but I am, I am impressed with his rebounding. He's always been a good rebounder. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's like rebounding killed us in the playoffs last year. We still won two series, notwithstanding poor rebounding, you know, but by the time we got to Denver, it really bit us in the ass. Right. So now we have all the, our returning guys are locked in on that end. And Christian Wood, frankly, is like a better rebounder than most of these guys have been in their careers. Um, mm-hmm. he's always been like a consistently solid rebounder. And I think like, I mean, a random cherry pick stat, but uh, uh, he's like one of the NBA leaders uh, the last few years in like offensive rebounds off missed free throws. So he like hmm. is willing to like muck it up in there. Right. And that's kind of what you want to see. Um, we've heard a hundred times about how like, you know, the defense is a work in progress. So we'll have to see uh, what happens with that. I think, I think like we haven't seen enough to know one way or the other, whether or not he's going to be uh, serviceable on that end. Yeah, for sure. But also, again, I would urge everybody, watch Christian Wood when he pump fakes from the three-point line and the way he puts the ball on the floor and he just becomes a blur. It doesn't even matter if it's like a big or a wing that's guarding him. Like, the dude is so skilled and so fluid with the ball in his hands that, I mean, it's just such 
an added dimensional threat. And it, it is kind of like Shades of AD when AD attacks a closeout from the perimeter, except you see the way defenses are guarding Wood because they really lunge out thinking he's going to shoot it, you know? And again, he hasn't even hit a three-point shot yet. So that is still to come. So the best is still to come for Christian Wood. Lastly, just a quick shout out to rookie Maxwell Lewis, Mr. He's so raw right now. He needs a little bit more time to develop Maxwell Lewis. Uh, the Cam Reddish killer, maybe? The Cam Whitmore killer? The guy who will make you maybe forget about Cam Whitmore? Mr. Maxwellian Lewis, innate skill just bubbling to the surface. He has so much fluidity. His ability to catch defenses off guard with his long strides, his shifty handles, his nice jump shot. He's not raw, folks. He's just a skilled, good basketball player who averaged 17 points at Pepperdine and was known for his shot creation. To me, and I, I've, I've been saying this on Twitter, I hate it when people, for whatever reason, always use the word raw for Maxwell Lewis, but not anybody else. And I think it's just because of how he was played in Summer League. He didn't have the ball in his hands. I think it's also because he was the 40th pick in the draft versus like a number 17th pick. You think if he was the number 17th pick, people would be calling him raw. They'd be saying, oh, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. But because he was the 40th pick, it's just like, it feels like subconsciously everybody's like, oh man, he's doing things I didn't expect, but he's just so raw and there's just so much he needs to improve on. And I'm like, did anybody watch this kid in Pepperdine? He was the go-to guy averaging 17 points and four assists, you know? Was he a little bit wild with the ball at times? Yes, but... He's no more raw than any rookie in his position, is all I want to say. And he's just showing just how potentially ready he is on this big stage. And I've just been so impressed with, even in the limited opportunities that he's gotten, how he's capitalized on those opportunities. He's hitting his jump shots. He's finishing in transition. He had some a really nice scoop pass to Colin Castleton, a really nice pass to Jackson Hayes. And yeah, I, I really like what I've seen from Maxwell Lewis thus far, and I'm not joking when I say he may take some of Cam Reddish's minutes and maybe, I don't want to go as far as to say Max Christie, but I've just been impressed with what Maxwell Lewis has shown so far in the few flashes that we've seen. Any thoughts on Maxwell Lewis? Yeah, I mean, I think Maxwell, JHS, and Cam Reddish are like the bottom three guys who are probably out of the rotation anyway. But I mean, I hear, I mean, I, I agree with you that if Cam was somehow in the rotation, it, that he certainly should not be ahead of Max, Maxwell. Um, Maxwell confused me. So the first game I watched was very late at night. Um, I was coming back from a wedding and and I did not know who the hell this guy was. I was like, who is this guy on the court? I was like, I knew he was one of our, I was like, is this one of our like camp invites? He The reason I was confused is because he looks so much more comfortable out there than he did in summer league. It sort of like reminded me of like the jump that, um, I think Max Christie sort of made us. I mean, Max Christie looked really. Max Christie is somebody you could have called raw last year, right? But when we, he played in summer league last year, he didn't even look like an NBA player. And then by the time preseason hit, it was like, okay, he's still raw, but he at least looks like an NBA player. And and I sort of felt the same way about Maxwell. Like I wasn't really impressed by anything I saw from him in summer league. Can I just say? Wait, before you go on, can I just say though I can caveat all that by the fact that in summer league. The ball was given to guys like JHS and Max Christie, whereas Max Christie's rookie year, the reason why you can call Max Christie raw was he was given the usage, even his rookie season in Summer League, and he didn't do anything with it. Maxwell Lewis was already played like a 3 and D wing who just had to stand in the corner. So I feel like his rawness is being conflated with his role where... They were already treating him like a tertiary player, but if you saw him in Pepperdine, he, he was a dude who you gave the ball to and told him to go to work, you know what I mean? So that's just a, a thing that I wanted to add. Well, and it's just like everyone, like somebody comes up with a take on a guy and everyone's just like, you know, because people don't watch every game, people don't watch every clip. And so like narratives just run wild, but the yeah. rawness, that confused me even from Summer League. Like the issue I had with him in Summer League was that he just like didn't look very good. It, it wasn't anything to do with like, oh, this guy's like clearly raw. You know, I, I think to your point, like JHS is a much more raw player than Maxwell Lewis right now, right? Um, So yeah, I, I've been impressed his strides are crazy. I mean, he covers so <laughs> much ground with these strides. Um, he's got like insane length. He's shown that he could be fluid on the perimeter. There was a play like in pseudo, like semi-transition where JHS was dribbling down the floor and whipped a like left-handed 
like bullet pass like right on the money to Max's Maxwell's chest and he pump faked a guy and, and took a, a few steps in and hit a mid-range too. You sort of saw like flashes of the future there. Dude, that's a veteran move though. The cool, calm, composed, that's a veteran move. It is because like a lot of guys are like, oh, I'm a three-point shooter. Like I'm either going to pump fake and stand here and shoot a three or sidestep and shoot a three. But he went to a spot that was, you know, the dead spot right in the center of the floor where nobody was and comfortably took a mid-range jumper and drilled it. And so- yeah. You know, that's a, like, I agree with you. That is a calm, cool, collected move. And, and he already, I don't want to bash Cam Reddish too much because he only played in one game, but like I, Maxwell to me is like a better player. I've never seen, I mean, again, I know Cam had this like amazing, apparently like series with Atlanta a few years ago um, in the playoffs, but uh, Maxwell looks more like an NBA player to me than Cam Reddish does at this point. Yeah, I'll I'll still give Cam Reddish the benefit of the doubt, but I agree in terms of the progression and rate of progression. Like Maxwell Lewis seems to know his bread and butter earlier on than Cam Reddish did. He seems to know his role and what he needs to do to succeed and get rotation minutes. The windmill dunk and then the tomahawk jam dunk in transition. Oh my god, like those are super fun to watch. We haven't we haven't had very many guys who are that athletic come right out of the gate like that and show that sort of verve. And I think the reason why people associate the word raw with Maxwell Lewis probably just has to do with, you mentioned it, his lankiness and his strides. I think people, anytime they see someone long and like gangly like that, they're like, raw, that dude has a lot of work to do. You know, it's like, yeah, because really? it's like <laughs> usually those types of guys are like, you know, they were drafted for their physical measurements and not for like their actual production. But like to your point, like, yeah, he was at Pepperdine. He wasn't like a Duke or something, but he was the go-to guy there. Like he developed very well there and, and he's still a young player. I mean, he's a rookie and, and, and he's a young guy, but he is like, he knows how to play basketball. Like this is like why we drafted him, you know, for sure. So very excited about Maxwell Lewis more to come. That'll do it for this episode. It was a long one, but we had a lot to talk about. And obviously as you probably, as you guys can probably tell, we're very excited about this entire team. We talked about like 10 players, dude. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun to track and we just hope that everybody stays healthy. Sorry. What were you going to say? I was just going to say like, you, you know, we talked about 10 players. It, it's like, we're, we, our team is so deep. Think about all the teams we've had in prior years where if you told me that Austin, LeBron, AD and Vando, like four guys who could potentially be starters. Like we don't know what's going to happen with Vando, right? But like four guys who could theoretically be starters are all sitting the same night. And we still went out there and had like a real NBA team. It was like our B and C team against the Kings starting lineup. And like we held our own, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like these 10 guys can all play. Like we talk about all of them, but they can all like play basketball. It's it's like pretty crazy. We didn't even talk about LeBron. We didn't even talk about LeBron. We barely talked about AD. We didn't even really talk about Max Christie. We, we talked about, about Vanderbilt. Austin, really? <laughs> we didn't talk about Austin Reeves. Holy shit, we're so deep. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, with that said, we will catch you guys next time. Tommy, I will see you later. More preseason basketball to come. Crossing our fingers that everybody stays healthy. But man, this is going to be a fun year. So yeah, it's lit. It's lit. See you, dude. Peace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.